Blog yeah. Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to today's Saja webcast, your chance to interact with fascinating speakers from across the country and around the world. Please stay tuned for our next session. Welcome to Saja's Blog Talk Radio session. I'm Shafali Kulkarni. I'm with the Washington Post. And uh, we don't host a lot of Saja Blog Talk Radio sessions, but usually when we do, it's for a very important story, which I think today's topic really does hit on a very important issue that's been kind of buzzing around on social media, the internet, anywhere. Um, And thankfully, I am joined by four very, very amazing guests who can speak to the heart of this issue, hopefully. I think so. I think we all can. Um, But do chime in on this conversation. We want to make sure we hear from you. Uh, We are using a hashtag. So if you are curious to ask questions or have comments that we could share today, uh, the hashtag is Saja Podcast, S-A-J-A Podcast. Um, I have a tab open. I have like 19 tabs open. Uh, But I have a tab open that can... Uh, help me see if you guys are asking questions, and I'm happy to pose them to our amazing guests. Uh, so speaking of our guests, I want to introduce everyone. Um, first, uh, we have Malika Rao, uh, who wrote a really terrific piece for The Atlantic uh, just, I think, on Thursday, right? It went up actually yesterday morning. Ooh. Oh, wow. Yeah. Jeez. Um, I'm going to drop a link in the comments uh, to her piece. Definitely check it out. Maybe read it while we're all chatting um, and share your thoughts as well on that. Um, But thank you for joining us, Malika. Um, And then next we have Arthi Virani, who is also a former Saja board member like myself. Hey, Arthi. Hi, Nepali. Thanks for having me. Yay. Uh, And then next we have Asim Chabra, who had to be on this panel. We had to have him on this panel. Uh, he recently wrote a book on Priyanka Chopra. I'll drop a link also in the comments to, uh, if you want to check out his book. Uh, when did that book come out, Asim? Um, this summer, uh, around the time of her birthday. So it was around July, mid-July as such. Yeah. Oh, wow. So he's the guy, if anybody wants to know anything Chopra related, this is the man to talk <laughs> to. So we're very lucky to have you here. And then finally, Thank we you. have Elizabeth. Thanks. <laughs> And finally, we have uh, Elizabeth Segrin from Fast Company. She's a senior writer for that publication. And she also did a take on this hot take that caused all this drama. <laughs> Liz, thanks for joining us. Sure. <laughs> um, well, guys, first to kick off, I want to ask everyone, um, have you read the piece from the cut? Uh, what we're talking about today before before I get too caught up um, Nick Jonas and Priyanka Chopra got married. You would have to be living under a rock if you didn't know that, but heads up, they did. Um, and a lot of think pieces came out after that wedding, and one in particular from The Cut. It's an online publication from New York Media. Um, they wrote a kind of a searing take on it, I guess. It's caused a lot of controversy, and they've since taken that piece down. So we're here to talk about that. But have, have all of you read that piece? Yeah, so this is yeah. Liz. Um, I, so I saw it pop onto my Facebook feed, I think in its totally unadulterated form on Tuesday. And it was kind of shockingly 
um, it just was very apparently shockingly racist from the, you know, for the first read. Um, the whole premise of the piece um, was that Priyanka Chopra was a, a global scam artist who had uh, basically sort of um, duped this white man who's 10 years her junior, Nick, um, to marry um, to marry her. And uh, it was just, to me, um, you know, the, the, the thing about the piece was that it was just so like riddled with these stereotypes about, you know, Asian, Asian people, right? I mean, like even using the language like a scam artist, um, you know, like it calls, it, you know, calls to mind so many post-colonial, um, you know, stereotypes that have, you know, deeply hurt Asian, South Asian people for, for a long time. And the writer was also kind of obsessed with various aspects of Indian culture and Indian weddings. And she, you know, she made it very much about that and sort of wove that into her argument about how she was a scam artist. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, that, that, that was like, that was immediately apparent. And so that's why a Fast Company, we, we did a, like a, an immediate response the next morning it wasn't it wasn't as thorough as some of you know the, the the later pieces that came out but we just wanted to know like you know what's going on over here right of course I should um I should mention also uh we just talked about this before we went live is the um the writer Mariah Smith she has tweeted an apology I just dropped a link to that tweet in the comments but she has apologized as of yesterday um, she basically wrote, I want to sincerely apologize to Priyanka Chopra, Nick Jonas, and to the readers I offended and hurt with my words. I do not condone racism, xenophobia, or sexism. I take full responsibility for what I wrote, and I was wrong. I am truly sorry. Um, so that's, that's pretty interesting to see uh, coming out now. I think her Twitter account is now open. It was closed for quite yeah. a while. I actually, I felt like I was wrong. I'm truly sorry. Um, so that's the thing that she's uh, coming out now. I think her Twitter account is now open. It was I think there is there a delay happening. Yeah, there's a bit of an echo. What I'm gonna do is I'll um I'll mute some of you guys so that way Arthi, if you wanna go ahead. And mute or oh sorry. Um (laughs) sorry, Malika, if you wanna go ahead and chime in. Okay. Um, okay, so this is Malika. Um, I, oh, sorry. Um, oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, 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 so I just wanted to say that, um, I mean, kind of, I guess the take that I had was that essentially, I think that the, 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 the controversy around the cut article sort of took away from, um, the the very real mystery of the wedding. Um, I think, like, I, I sort of I saw Mariah's apology, and I part of me felt a little bit like it was so self-flagellating, and and it, and ultimately, like, there there isn't gonna be like this rich conversation that there can be around why this story happened, which is not so clear cut as like in my in my mind, it's not so clear cut of a sort of issue of like straightforward racism I think there's like there's kind of some things that are not obvious um to a a reader or to a writer if you're not inducted into kind of the culture being discussed but at the same time there's there's like a very shared 
instinct I think that most people looking at this wedding have, which is that there's something off about it. And so, yeah, so like in, in sort of botching the job of saying that, she, she distracted from the fact that everyone is sort of confused about this wedding. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, sorry, guys, we have some weird feedback. Basically, um, I'll, uh, I'll awkwardly like you guys, um, like it's a very fun phone call. Um, but no, that's a great point. Um, I think um, I wanted to ask you guys, maybe, um, maybe if you could, you could answer this. There seems to be a lot of mystery surrounding Priyanka Chopra to some extent. I think that kind of hit on one of the issues with this article that came out from the cut and, and even these other think pieces, I'm sure, as well, is that, you know, Malika, your piece mentioned this as well, is that people just don't know who Priyanka Chopra is or, like, how big of a deal she is. Um, so how has that been? You know, you wrote a whole book on her, it seems. So, I mean, was that something to combat with while you were writing? And, like, do you think Americans are now trying to take that step to like get to know how big of a deal she is? Maybe. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, uh, so high is the theme. Uh, <clears throat> honestly, what surprised me about this article was that how clueless this this writer and her editors were that they had no idea how Priyanka had already become such a phenomena. Um, if you you guys all remember, in the uh, summer of two thousand and fifteen, a month before. Uh, Quantico aired, we suddenly, these big posters of um, Quantico appeared all the subway stations in New York City, buses, people in yep. LA, you know, all over people saw. It was basically Priyanka's face and it said Quantico and it said ABC and it said September 27th and she had this FBI badge. Now, being a Desi, of course, I myself <laughs> and all of you could tell is Priyanka Chopra and my immediate reaction was like, okay, wow, this is great. This is Priyanka Chopra and she's looking gorgeous but how many Americans really know about her? Um, we know how the show took off. It did fairly okay. Then the ratings were down slightly. It did get a second season. It did get a third season. Uh, well, it was a truncated version of it. But because it was an ABC show, she was on practically every talk show. In the last three mm-hmm. years, Priyanka Chopra has become from almost a, a complete nobody in this country to a very recognizable celebrity, really. Uh, she's been on every magazine cover. I mean, just when this uh, the cut article comes out, the same time Priyanka is on the cover of U.S. Vogue magazine, the first Indian to be in the U.S. Vogue magazine, which is a major yeah. achievement. And it's you know you can try as much of your PR uh, contest and Vogue are not going to put somebody on the cover until it really makes sense and it'll sell their issue. It's a gorgeous photograph of Priyanka shot by Annie Leibovitz. So I mean, Priyanka, I, I, you know, even though. Quantico as a show has died. Mm-hmm. Uh, Priyanka has done three films, out of which two of them, uh, Baywatch sort of bombed. Um, <laughs> there was something about Jay, uh, what's it called? Something about Jake, right? That, that, but she had a very small role. That sort of oh, has yeah. gone also. The third film of hers, which is going to be released on Valentine's Day next year. Um, I don't know what other projects she has in America, but people in America know her already. So this, 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 the biggest surprise was how clueless is this person I mean, in fact, Priyanka is already a far bigger celebrity in America than Nick Jonas himself, who's really done nothing for many years now. <laughs> That's so, actually a really right good point. Right? Oh, go ahead. I mean, I'm right about that, right? What do you guys think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I would say so, but I'm also Indian American. So, like, I think it, it, it's, you know, there are different, there's a lot of different perspectives that are jostling around 
because of this wedding, because of the nature of the wedding, right? So there are like Jonas fans who don't know who Priyanka is. And I think mm-hmm. that's valid, like that's, that's not totally bizarre because when you think about how the world works and how information gets shared, I mean, we live in bubbles, right? So even though, you know, it might seem like standard information, but it isn't necessarily. That's, yeah, that's I, a really, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, this is Arthi, and, um, you know, I think it's also really important to discuss just different frameworks in terms of what defines a celebrity in the U.S. versus what defines one in India, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I guess, speak in somewhat broad strokes here, but I think, I think it's fair to say that in America, celebrities take on almost an like aspirational role model like status, right? So read the same books as say Reese Witherspoon or use the same beauty products as, I don't know, Gwyneth Paltrow and, and you might get mm-hmm. one, you know, tiny step closer to becoming like them. Whereas in India, I think celebrities almost take on this, you know, placed on a pedestal, highly revered, almost mm-hmm. worshipped connotation. And I think we know that that definition comes at a massive cost because, you know, we know that a lot of Indian celebrities can quite literally get away with murder. But I think that's also part of the reason why Smith's piece sparked such outrage and, and hit such a visceral um, chord on Indian Twitter. Yeah, as a journalist and as a writer, um, I, I was just, I found the whole piece a little bit confusing because it seemed like, I, I couldn't really tell if she was trying to be, um, satirical in this in the piece it was very very unclear i mean the the problem is they've taken it down now and the the edited version which is now circulating um is just kind of a very um it's it's totally meaningless right because all of the offensive bits have been taken out and so then it just becomes a little bit of a summary of how the two the two of them met um which isn't very helpful um so kind of taking apart like the the question of how um you know, how famous she was and, you know, how clueless they were about just dis- dis- discussing her fame. Um, you know, it, it, it was, that, that wasn't a question for me. And so were they trying, was she trying to sort of write about this in a jokey kind of satirical way? And does that excuse it? Um, and then I think another thing that came up um, whenever, you know, whenever we were in, in all of these discussions that people were having was that she, she is African-American, right? And so yeah. something that people were was um you know does that change does it, is, can that change the way that we perceive this piece and are do we need to temper our accusations of racism and mm-hmm. um and i mean from where i sit i mean I, I don't i don't think that that's fair at all right i mean i mean i think that people can be um you know people can be racist, like women can be sexist right women can be <laughs> And, um, you know, people who are brown are not all the same. And, um, you know, and we can be, you know, we, we can't be racist to one another. Um, but I, I mean, just like from, from purely like the, the perspective of the, the writing of the piece itself, I, I think there, there were a lot of really interesting issues there. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. You brought up a really good point. I wanted to try to kind of pitch out to you guys is, is kind of the process of how this piece got put up. Um, mm-hmm about, you know, like the pitching process of it. Um, I, I, ha- I read take, hot takes before where um, I'm like aghast and like just completely outraged. And like my first instinct, p- perhaps as a journalist, is to like awkwardly look at the byline and be like, who is this? Like, who? How dare? Um, and I think our, I, I don't know if, if it's um, something that k- kind of crossed your guys' mind, but is, 
is, is the fact that Mariah Smith is a woman of color, did that, did that kind of play into what we were thinking of like, wait, why, how, how could this, how could this be? Or the cut in general tends to have pieces that are very like feminist forward kind of pieces. So I, I, I was kind of aghast by that. But I, 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 as a journalist, am thinking, what was the pitching process like to get from idea to publication? And is that something that's maybe getting muddled as we maybe are moving very quickly on like hot takes as, as they're called, I guess. <laughs> but I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. This is Malika. Um, and I, I think it's such a like tangled question. And I think it's useful to kind of, to use very specific language. I like, you know, racism is a word that obviously comes with a lot of connotations and definitions and it's kind of shifts based on the circumstances. I think in this case, like, you know, the fact of her own identity is certainly a complicating factor. I think, you know, we all know as journalists that the pitching process is not nearly as, it's it's opaque. It's hard to really, um, you know, as a writer, you kind of, you feel for other writers because you know that it's it's never so simple as like, oh, they, they have ownership over this idea and these words. Um, there's a lot that goes on, you know, in from A to Z before you actually, actually people are consuming the work. I think for the cut, my sense is, you know, the cut has gone through an evolution of identity where it began as a very kind of insidery and very white space, you know, very much like girls from Long Island and maybe Jersey or Connecticut um, who ran the show. And like, it's moved, it's evolved where now, you know, they're, they have, they're getting movie deals for long form pieces and stuff. And so I think, Partially, it's like an identity shift within the cut that got broadcast out in a way that was very confusing, where this is the kind of piece you could imagine having gone up in sort of an earlier era of the cut. And I think Mariah, from what my just scan of her work, she does tend to do these sort of insider joke pieces that kind of that run that ride this line between satire and earnestness that's, that can be hard to translate. To, to you know when you're when you're not part of the inside joke essentially and you know I think mm-hmm. that's an issue for media in general and it's the fishbowl effect and it's why we kind of have issues communicating with the rest of the country um, but but I think all of that sort of came to a head in such a fascinating way with this that I, I hesitate to come down hard on you know saying like this it is this or it is that because it's kind mm-hmm. of a, a big jumble of of phenomena that we know are in play, but, you know, rarely kind of come together so dramatically, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think your piece actually had a really good part about how it's, it's kind of thinking about the internet as like this, like, it, it used to be like, oh, it's on the internet. And now it's like, no, I can go into my little pod or like my vacuum on there and kind of just know what I want to know. Or, and But what comes with that is that inability to connect with other folks and other people and other intersections, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Shivali, yeah, go ahead. Um, this is Arthi again. And, you know, like you, I think my first instinct um, after reading this piece was to do a little bit of research on, on just what is Smith's, you know, kind of body of work. And um, mm-hmm. I like, I'm sure other people discovered that um, a majority of her work for the cut involved pieces that pointed out continuity errors on episodes of uh, Keeping Up with the Kardashians. And yeah. I really, 
I really began to wonder how that qualified her to author, you know, commentary on one of India's most like significant crossover entertainers and Indian weddings tangentially. And um, that really struck me as more of a, more of an editorial misstep, you know, like how mm -hmm. is expected to be armed with the context and the background to write a piece like this. And, um, you know, often as freelancers and as writers, we know a lot of the pieces that end up coming our way are ones that are assigned to us rather than pieces that, you know, we pitch. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, if that was the case, why didn't editors tap somebody with, more fluency on the subject rather than, you know, somebody who was more like their resident glamorous woman expert, given her background on, on the Kardashians. So I guess for me, in addition to having endless questions about why this piece wasn't properly reviewed before being published, um, I really wanted mm -hmm. to know the editorial rationale for why this piece was assigned to the person it was assigned to. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Hello, Shifali. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, I think. Yeah, can, I, can I address a totally um, um, a, a different issue? Um, I think somebody, maybe Aarti or somebody had said uh, 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 that it, uh, there, there was a lot of intrigue about this wedding. Um, mm -hmm. I, I sort of wanted to step in and talk about, you know, as many of you know, I, I actually now live in India a lot more than I live here. And I happen to be in New York right now. And I follow a lot of the Indian Twitter you know, this is the third big Bollywood wedding of the year. You know, there was yeah. Anushka, Anushka uh, Sharma and Virat Kohli. And then just uh, two weeks ago, there was Deepika and Ranveer's wedding. And immediately after that, Priyanka's wedding. People are just wedding out. In fact, there's another wedding going on in Mumbai right now. Mogesh Amani's uh, daughter's wedding. And, you know, Hillary Clinton has flown there for, as a guest. People are oh, wow. completely bored and wedding out of this. And, and, and so <laughs> what is fascinating is that when this article appeared, Suddenly, mm -hmm. even people who were just tired and bored of Priyanka Chopra in India, especially because a lot of people criticized in India, suddenly woke up and they were like, what the hell is this all about? And I find that very fascinating how a lot of us, I mean, you know, I, I still consider myself to be an Indian American, you know, and I have one foot in India and one foot here. And all of us, all of us here are also Indian Americans. But um, mm -hmm. a lot of us start to have this sort of this knee jerk sort of a reaction when there is a kind of criticism against us, our culture, mm -hmm. our celebrity icons, especially coming from Western media, mm -hmm. uh, white media kind of a thing, although the, the author, as we're talking about, is an African-American. And there is a sense of like, how dare you question what we do kind of a thing. And I think that's, you know, Priyanka mm -hmm. actually lucked up. Priyanka really didn't need to be defended. I mean, she's, she's fine in the way her life is going in any case, but she lucked up because there's suddenly such a mass support that she has, especially <laughs> on social media, among all of us in India, people who are bored out of a wedding, they were suddenly like, you know, okay, fine, you're bored of a wedding, but who's this person to question how she got her, uh, you know, her, her, her bridegroom? And I think there's something to be said about uh, how we react to this, because really, yes, there is a whole issue about the ethics or the issue about how this story was assigned, um, what the intentions of the story were. There was a cluelessness. There was an ignorance on the part of the author and probably the editors who were editing the story and who had assigned it. But there also has to do with something about the fact that we get very upset about the fact when, you know, Western mm -hmm. media, you know, people uh, in the West, especially us living here, brown-skinned people in, in New York, mm -hmm. when we're criticized by white people. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, 
So, yeah, I, mean, I think that that was definitely something interesting that came out. Um, and and I, the, to me, the thing that was offensive to me was she was tying, um, she was, she, her whole argument about why there was something wrong with Priyanka Chopra was, first of all, um, you know, that she had made all of this money um, and that she mm-hmm. was, she was like enjoying it, right? I mean, so much of the original story was about, um, you know, how much wealth she had and how elaborate this wedding was going to be. And um, right. there was also this, um, you know, there was this whole discussion she had where she linked to a video of Priyanka Chopra showing, um, you know, like an interviewer her house at one point. And mm-hmm. she made this very like, l- like long in-depth, you know, section about how, you know, she has indoor, um, you know, movie theaters and in all of her houses, and she doesn't really use them. Um, So to me, when I left, when I, you know, when I, when I stepped away from the piece, it it, it seemed like so much of what she was saying was that there was essentially something wrong with this brown woman um, who was like, who was like, who was in, who was very clearly, you know, Indian, because she Mm -hmm. kept kept reinforcing that point. there was something wrong with her having money, right? I mean, that's, that's what, that's what I, I, I kind of took away from the piece. And to me, that was so problematic because I thought it brought up so many issues with, you know, with how people perceive us, right? South Asian mm-hmm. people and then specifically South Asian women who are successful. Um, you know, it's like, it's like there's something inherently um, wrong with us you know, making that, making money. Um, and then, and then also just kind of like in, enjoying it. It's when, you know, white celebrities wedding is described, it's described in all of its glamour. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and when a South Asian woman's wedding is dis- discussed, it's kind of, it's seen, it's seen as, as disgusting and opulent. Um, and so I, 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 I don't really, I, you know, to me that was, that was really kind of, I, I took that a little bit personally, you know, yeah, I think, do you, do you guys think we're in a time period? I don't want to, like, make it seem like, oh, it's the time to stand up now. But, but to some extent, was, is this something that wouldn't have been called out maybe a few years ago? Maybe also because we, don't have social, we didn't have social media a few years ago. But do you feel like there's a moment that we're saying, like, wait, this is, this is, some, this is some weird, uh, weird commentary going on. What's going on here? Like, is it, is it a timing thing as well? That you have a yeah. generation of Americans here that have been here long enough to say like, wait, what? <laughs> I, do, I do think so. This is Malika. Like, I I love all of the points everyone has been like has been making because it just there's so many kind of angles to this. Like, there is this kind of enemy of my enemy effect that Asim mentioned. Like, where you know where once you kind of have the vision, the clarity to 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 do analysis of your own, as soon as, you know, an outsider comes on in, you, you turn against the outsider because like they don't really have the place or the, the knowledge to do as good of a job essentially of, mm-hmm. of you know, analysis. Um, and I think we are at this kind of very interesting inflection point where there are enough, um, there is a kind of low lying diversity, I think in media, in the conversation on the internet, there is this kind of, this jostling of voices, but at but we but there isn't necessarily power. There's presence, but not yet you know not yet at the the highest ranks, which is often how it goes. And so I think like there's kind of a disconnect between what gets sent out, you know, what the top line mm-hmm. message is, and what 
the, the reality of the landscape is in terms of what the, the demand is for content, what, you know, what kind of degrees of sophistication of analysis that really is required. Like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, point, you know, why, why would someone who literally seems to have zero knowledge of the, the most salient topics in, in this piece, why is she the one assigned this piece? And, you know, there are a lot, a lot of reasons why they, and, and fundamentally, there's a sense in in the highest levels of these media institutions that they don't need to kind of expand out. I think that that realization hasn't yet happened that in a deep way that it's in it's in the institution's best interest to kind of to be humble and to, to acknowledge that they aren't ultimately the authority that they once were because there's been a huge paradigm shift. In you know further down through the line, and I, that's you know that's what I think we saw that effect. But I, 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 okay. Go ahead. Sorry, this is Liz. Um, I and to that point, I think that what really angered me um, after this whole thing happened was how little the cut um, responded to everything. Um, so there was the article came out; it was quickly um, redacted and and edited, and and then after a few hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just totally taken down and there was this very kind of flimsy like apology that they put up. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I just felt like it wasn't, it, they hadn't adequately dealt with uh, the ramifications of what they had done. Um, and I really wish that, you know, whoever had assigned the piece or, you know, or the editor in chief or whoever had, had just come out and like had, had that conversation. Cause I think that if we just had a little bit of insight as to what was going on and, um, a more sort of genuine um, effort on their part to to talk about mm-hmm. what was wrong in the process and to apologize, you know, for that. I think we would probably all feel a little bit better. I don't know. That, that's yeah, my perspective. It's definitely it's worth noting. Um, we put um, actually a friend of mine on Facebook recently did the Wayback Machine on Google, and so there I did drop a link in um, the comments <clears> here. To the original article um, that is that was deleted, <laughs> um, and then we also have a link to the note from the cut editor. But that that is a good point. I think there is a sense of like when when situations like this happen, just in journalism in general, and like on for online publications especially, um, there is is there is there is it necessary then to have that kind of transparency to say like, hey, here's what where the goof up was. Does that does that help or maybe like? There's still like a little bit, but it never happens. Like no one is good at making, at doing apologies because everyone has an ego, um, and apologies require humility. And I, I haven't yet seen like an institution really acknowledge because it would, it would mean acknowledging a very deep issue, you know, like a fundamental problem with staffing and uh, sort of conceptualization of, of the of what their purpose is and what the, the identity of the police is. I think I want to bring up one small point. Um, you know, early, early on in journal, in, in my journalism career, I remember there was always this conversation about like, you know, are you the Brown journalist in the newsroom who's going to do all the Brown issues or are you like a journalist who can do a myriad of issues or like, is that, is that even like a distinctual black and white line? Meaning like if somebody asked, in a newsroom, like, hey, Shafali, do the story about the Indian wedding, I would be like, 
I've gone to like two Indian weddings. <laughs> I mean, I'm background information. I think um, to some extent, like, do we, you know, the, the piece that was in the cut, you're right, was not written with a sense of authority about like Indian weddings, more like a fascination, um, it seems like. Um, but is it fair to say like we need to find like then the South Asian writer or the South Asian American writer to do that or you know, because I'll, I'll be honest with you, I don't know much about Priyanka Chopra or South Asian weddings, cu- customs and cultures, things like that, but but I might just be like a terrible Indian, but like, I don't know. <laughs> what do you guys think about that? I mean, I think that, oh, yeah, I, I think that that's fair. And I think that, um, you know, at Fast Company, we, um, yeah, I, I, I think people are pretty careful about assigning pieces based on, um people's ethnicity, but I think that that's really, but that's really because there are these women of color there, right? It's because there are people like you and me who can say, um, you know, you know, I'm, I'm South Asian, but actually not all South Asian people know that much about weddings, right? Um, I, mm-hmm. I think just having that diversity and being open to having conversations with, with people of different ethnicities is, goes so far to sort of like resolving this and like making it a little bit easier. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, having having that diverse newsroom, you know, means having very specific conversations, right, about what it means to be of a particular race. And um, so, I, I mean, I think that the, the fact that the, the cut doesn't seem like it's a very diverse place still was a problem here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is Malika. I think also there's, you know, because it is tricky to when you run that, that sort of script of like have the brown person write the brown topics, like precisely what you're saying, um, yeah. Shivali, that you know, we're all we're all individuals. We come with our own kinds of stories and reference points. I think personally, I feel like where the kind of where a, a, a useful shift could happen is in um, because all of journalism is about essentially coming up to speed on the topic that you're writing on, whether it's you know mm-hmm. a type. Of flower or an Indian wedding, like you should, you need to do some, some research, you know? And I think mm-hmm. that really where there, there is kind of a lack of understanding is in who their audience is. So, you know, never has a writer had to come in, at pre, you know, already as an expert, I think it's okay for someone to walk in and admit that they don't know what they're talking about and they're going to learn and then they're going to write, you know? But, but if they think that they're only writing to people like them, which is, you know, which is an effect of this kind of siloing effect of the Internet, but it's actually not – when you're talking about – when you're writing about Priyanka Chopra's wedding, to not realize that there are going to be people unlike you reading that piece, people with perhaps more knowledge than you reading that mm-hmm. piece, is, I think, a misstep in terms of – you know, I, I think there's, there's just there, – there's not a sense of who the readership is, and I – once that expands, once there's a realization that there are all kinds of people out there, you know, in the world, and they all come in with a lot of specialized knowledge, and you really need to do your job as a journalist now to to understand what you're talking about, because you don't just get the benefit of sort of authority by virtue of being sitting in New York City. Um, I think that's where perhaps these types of takes may may become more nuanced. Definitely. I think, I think that's a really good point. Um, I think before, uh, before we run out of time here, I wanted to ask everybody, sorry. Uh, I just wanted to ask everybody about this concept of hot takes. I think um, 
I, A, that, that seems like a term that's coming more and more recently into like the ether and the industry of journalism is people saying like, I have a hot take on this. I have a hot take on this. And I think Malika, in your piece, you even mentioned like hot takes to some extent could be like text messages among South Asian women mm-hmm. in your like world or sphere. Um, I wanted to kind of ask, A, are hot takes a good thing? <laughs> are we like to publish certain hot takes like Mariah's piece or um, or other pieces that come out where people are like, here are my thoughts on this. And in, in, in a journalistic sense, um, are they are they helpful for conversations that are happening online or could they be detrimental maybe? Or um, And then I wanted to ask, because we are all, I think, in, in this panel, I think we're all coming from such various interesting places. Like, I would love to know what the hot takes you guys are getting maybe in your world, like a theme, like our folks in India um, texting you or WhatsApping you or, or emailing you saying like, here's my thoughts on this. And like, are they very different than what we're hearing in like, you know, Brown Twitter in America versus what, you know, what's going on internationally, people's thoughts on that. Um, well, everybody mm-hmm. seems to have an opinion, especially in India, people seem to have an opinion about everything. So, mm-hmm. um, and with, with social media, of course, everyone's become a film critic also. And, and uh, you know, so it's it's one of those things, especially when 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 it, an issue like this happens, where everyone seems to think, of course, that they know Priyanka Chopra, which is true. India pe- people do know her rather well, and so you don't need somebody like me to write a book about her, because even people who never read a book <laughs> seem to know as much about her as me. So yeah, people have all opinions about, especially when when this article came out. Um, mm-hmm. And that sort of takes me back to what I had said earlier. There's this reaction kind of a thing immediately in India. Like, my God, somebody in the New Yorker or the New York magazine has written this about our Priyanka Chopra. How is that possible kind of a thing? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we'll only hear more and more hot takes from people, like, in our in our world. I feel like there's the ones that I've been hearing mostly is, like, because I, 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 I'm not so, so savvy on Priyanka Chopra's, like, fame i know she's obviously a huge household name in 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 india and south asian you know communities and families and whatnot but like i'm not the biggest fan like i i was really not very impressed (laughs) like as a personal like somebody enjoying her acting skills so i remember thinking how dare i actually have to defend priyanka chopra (laughs) dang nabbit like what has this happened where suddenly i'm like wait a minute don't you talk about priyanka chopra like this and i'm like who am i that's exactly what i said you know (laughs) As a brown person, you also said she's our Priyanka Chopra. How can anyone dare say something about like, her? I'm like, we are to insult. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> um, what about what about everybody else? Any other interesting like takes that people have come up, or or in general like this kind of culture of hot takes? I have I have thoughts on it, but I would love to hear your guys' thoughts. This is Malika. I, I guess I kind of feel like the era of hot takes is a little bit on the decline because maybe that's just how my career has gone. Like I was I started at HuffPost. And, you know, we, we like made a, a website out of hot takes to a large extent, like, there, you know, reporting became, reporting did happen, but it happened sort of later and it was, it was a big effort. Um, and so there were a lot of just like takes. And I think now I feel like there's, you really have to back up a take, like it's, you know, for, this was a great example, like a take can go so badly. And so... I feel like people are a little more hesitant to publish just take after take after take. I, I, but I think like, yeah, I think like, um, 
And, and I just want to say separately, I think it was Arthi who was just speaking about this feeling, this need to defend someone who she doesn't even really like that much. Like, I kind of, I feel like it's two separate conversations mm-hmm. that got wound together. Like, one is the question of what happened at the cut. And you could sort of erase Priyanka from it, and it would still be a really important question to think about. And then the other is the question of the wedding and Priyanka Chopra. And I think that's a totally separate question, you know, and, and I like worth kind of addressing each of them individually because they're both, I think, very illuminating in terms of questions of power and, you know, what we, what we prioritize and how sort of people live their lives. Um, but yeah, but you know, then back, to, back to the hot take thing, I think, I think, you know, takes tend to simplify things and, and that's obviously not always the greatest situation, but, you know, they're sort of unavoidable. I don't know. <laughs> well, at Bob's company, I feel like um, we, uh, whenever it's like a big piece of news breaks, um, our readers seem to like when we have, um, when we have a little bit of analysis combined with like a strong point of view. Um, I think it's um, a little easier um with, I mean, it, this should have been true at the cut too, but you know, at, at Fast Company, we have like a very specific um, perspective, which is that we believe in sort of progressive businesses. And so, you know, the, the pieces that we, that, you know, our, our opinions are never very surprising, right? It's like, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, and more gender equity in the workplace, like you know, that kind of thing. Um, and so whenever there's something like that that happens, you know, the first line of attack is to sort of like publish, um, basically reblog whatever news is being um, broken uh, with our, you know, with our particular point of view and then digging into it a little bit later. Um, but so, and, and, you know, I think that given that the internet has become this kind of fishbowl um, and you're speaking to very specific audiences, that seems to be still working. You know, people want to hear um, other people with their point of view thinking through an issue. Um, so that seems to still, you know, be something that we're doing at least. But um, what I would say is that, you know, what was so surprising about this was that they, that the cut seems to have had a really big blind spot here because, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're, you know, it's, it's very clear what their point of view is, right? They're very um, pro-women. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're generally talking about diversity and, um, you know, they, they have a pretty progressive perspective. Um, so it really seems like something broke down or, or even that, you know, this was supposed to be written in a satirical tongue in cheek way. And it just, um, just failed so triumphantly that like none of us really got that it was supposed to be a joke. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure what, what the breakdown was there, but you know, uh, Arthi, what about you? What what about what is yeah. you're working in like a lot of like arts and culture spheres as well in, in journalism? Is that is the hot take something that's like quite prevalent or do you you know, is it is it something that people pitch often as in your work in your kind of world? No, I, I would have to agree with Malika. I think the hot take is is on the decline. And I think for me the saving grace of the whole hot take phenomenon is sort of the conversations that arise. Um, surrounding the hot take. I mean, this is a prime example of it. And I think, you know, those conversations kind of get to the heart of uh, an issue with, with far more nuance. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I hope it's, it's we're in an era and that's in, you know, where the decline of the hot take is, is going to happen because I just, I feel like it's a shot in the dark. 
<laughs> That's a very good point. Um, guys, on that note, I think, I think we're going to wrap up, but, but it was so great having you, your, your thoughts and, and your hot takes <laughs> on, on this topic. Um, I'm going to post a bunch of links. I've already started posting some in the comments section uh, for this blog talk radio session, but you can also listen to it again um, and then follow along on the conversation. I didn't see any tweets, people. I was very disappointed, but maybe everyone was so fascinated with what you guys were saying. I'm hoping that's, saying, that's, what, it was. that's what it was. I think, um, I think um, what I'll do is I'll tweet out all the tweet out you know, share and, and spread this conversation around and uh, follow Saja at, at Saja HQ on Twitter. Uh, thanks again, guys. And that does it for us. Appreciate it. <laughs>